You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. You know, so it just took off from there. But um, hypnosis is a very interesting tool. and I would say that, you know, um, a, a good friend of mine who's also a hypnotherapist, he refers to hypnosis as the difference between um, taking the stairs or catching an elevator up a, a tall building. And okay. it's kind of that way. Uh, it, I call it the cheat codes to life because mm. through hypnotherapy, all of the things that we do in regular talk therapy, we could do in hypnotherapy in a fraction, and I mean a fraction of the time. So, Welcome to Success Leaves Clues podcast, where I find regular people doing outstanding and phenomenal things in corporate America and entrepreneurship. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. K. I have with me today Coach Edwards, uh, an amazing talent. This brother is um, ending trauma. He's working on a lot of different things, and I I know he has something special that he wants to uh, introduce you all to. I'll let him introduce himself real quick. Greetings, greetings. And uh, Dr. K, I appreciate you for having me. Um, Yes, I am Coach Edwards and I'm a hypnotherapist. Um, I'm a regular talk therapist, Uh but I like to refer to the work that I do in hypnotherapy because it's the most provocative work that I do. And it gets results that um, are just kind of unheard of. And so that's what I like to talk about. But thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, that's that's very provocative, but that's also what kind of stood out to me the most. Um, it, it, it caught me off guard. I was like, okay, hypnotherapy. One of, <laughs> um, I'm not ashamed to say I've been to therapy. You know, I've been to counseling, been to marriage counseling, individual counseling, you know, different yeah. types of stuff. But um, stuff. hypnotherapy, that's a, that's a different one. And uh, you, you have to tell me a little bit about that and how it works. So uh, I'm going to keep it a buck. Right. So, yeah. I started out as a as a skeptic um, mm. when I actually came across hypnotherapy um, almost 20 years ago. I was on somebody's blog and yeah. it was like, you know how you read stuff and, you know, you read all the good stuff and it's like, ah, I can't, you know, I mean, you keep reading. And then it's like, boom, hypnosis. And it, mm. it offended me so much so that I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm about to discredit this guy on his own site. And so I poured over all of his information for a couple of days. Long story short, I went down a rabbit hole and ended up taking a free course. And sometime shortly thereafter, <laughs> another course. Yeah. And here I am certified, you know. So, yeah, it just took off from there. But um, hypnosis is a very interesting tool. Um and I would say that, you know, um, a, a good friend of mine who's also a hypnotherapist, he refers to hypnosis as the difference between um, taking the stairs or catching an elevator up a, a tall building. And okay. it's kind of that way. Uh, it, I call it the cheat codes to life because mm. through hypnotherapy, all of the things that we do in regular talk therapy, we could do in hypnotherapy in a fraction, and I mean a fraction of the time. So 
to give you an example of that, one of my clients this week that I worked with, she came in and she told me that um, whoever diagnosed her with PTSD told her that if not a lifelong thing, she could expect at least for the next 10 to 15 years to be dealing with those issues. Right. And, you know, we we kind of plotted our course and. In like two sessions, we knocked out the majority of her symptoms. Um, and so the type of hypnotherapy that I do is a very organic, um, safe and non-intrusive way of, of hypnotizing people where they don't re-traumatize themselves or, you know, they don't have to go and kind of dredge up everything that happened that caused the issues and then yeah. re-experience them. Let me get a little bit of clarity on something first, because you talk about uh, you mentioned talk therapy and then the hypnotherapy. So can you mm-hmm. tell me the uh, delineation? What's the, the difference between those? Right. Um, so oftentimes when people talk about therapy or counseling, right, they talk about going to a counselor, sitting down or in days, virtually meeting with someone. And uh, talk therapy is kind of like having a conversation. So what a counselor does is the counselor talks to you, um, asks you questions and you do the heavy lifting. So they ask questions. They kind of walk you, guide you through a path and help mm-hmm. lead you to different insights. But it's all cognizant. You're all always at all points of time in talk therapy, unless you're doing something like uh, modeling mindfulness or meditation or something like that. At all times, you're typically aware, your eyes open, talking one-to-one person. And um, that's kind of how that goes. Whereas hypnotherapy, um, the biggest part of hypnotherapy is is using or accessing the trance state. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of the session, you know, once you get into the session is going to be an eyes closed type of experience. And so, um, you know, kind of the long and short of hypnotherapy as I use it is I access the trance state. Um, And so to kind of make sense of that, right, typically when we look at the different brainwave frequencies, we know that uh, your your waking brainwave frequency is a uh, beta frequency. And that's somewhere around 44 hertz to on the low end of about 14 hertz a cycle. Um, And so once you go beneath that, you're going into an alpha brainwave frequency. And okay. alpha is typical of, you know, you could kind of characterize alpha like the gateway is like daydreaming, just kind of, do- you know, drifting off. And so when you're daydreaming, your brainwave frequencies are slowing down and you're entering into an alpha state. So essentially what I do is I do a series of different exercises and tasks that kind of bring you out of your, your regular waking state into a slower brainwave frequency somewhere between. Um, alpha and theta. And that's kind of the sweet spot where hypnosis occurs. You said alpha and theta or, de- or theta? Theta. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's theta that that's a, a lower than alpha. Is that what we're yeah, saying? That's, that's slower than alpha. So alpha mm-hmm. is about 14 to seven. And then mm-hmm. theta is about seven to about. Uh, no, alpha is about 14 to about four. And then theta is about four to about one hertz a cycle and then it goes down to delta which is about you know less than one hertz a cycle but yeah i don't want to get too technical but what i'm saying basically is that what we're doing is we're getting you into a slower brainwave frequency the reason for that is because your critical mind isn't at work when you're Mm -hmm. in those slower brainwave frequencies so when we think about childhood right we spend a lot of our time in a theta frequency because that helped with what we consider to be the imprinting phase. So, so you're talking about when we were children or you're talking about yeah. if you try to remember something of when you were a child? Now, when we were children, um, okay. that's the beauty of childhood. You, know, you probably remember like childhood was very fantastic. We use a lot yeah. of our imagination and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the the importance or or i guess from what i'm describing here the big thing about that is you haven't developed a critical mind yet so during the imprint period your brain is like a your mind is a big sponge all of your experiences from birth and some people actually say in utero uh, at 
conception or what have you. But I'll say from birth to about six or seven years old, you're imprinting. And so all of your experiences, essentially what happens is all those experiences, they come in directly to you unhampered. There's no judgment, no critical, no analytical thought about it. It just comes in unhampered. And you start building what I refer to as this mental map or this template. So at about five, six or seven years old, what happens is, you know, your chemistry and your body changes and you ramp up to a beta frequency. And so at beta, now you have a critical mind and the importance of, of, and I I hate being technical, but at the same time, I do want to kind of explain it, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Your mind is, is always working to filter the data, the incoming data that Mm -hmm. it's receiving. And the importance of that filter is because they say um, we experience on the order of about 12 million bits of data per second. And we're only actually able to consciously be aware of about 15 bits of data per second. So if, mm. if you're looking, if, if you think about it, right, to have 12 million bits of data coming in at one time, yeah, it can be confounding. And so it could literally drive someone crazy. And so your brain works very hard to filter that information. And so that's the, the purpose of the mental template. When information comes in, it becomes the thing that your brain is sorting by. Okay, do we know something about that? Do we have something that already exists for that? And it begins to filter according to that template. So this is the reason also why we have so many blind spots for different things, because if it wasn't imprinted and part of our original template, a lot of times until we've had enough um, awareness of it, it kind of, you know, we just develop a blind spot for it. Well, let me ask you this, Coach Edwards. Mm-hmm. Does hypnotherapy work for everybody? <laughs> it can. Um, uh-huh. It absolutely can. And this is why I say that, right? Hypnosis is a natural state. Now, okay. that's the thing that most people don't really understand. So we watch, uh, we're most familiar with things like stage hypnosis. Yeah. You'll have a guy, you know, doing a show. And, uh, you know, a couple hundred people in the audience or whatever. And he does some, you know, what people often <laughs> refer to as parlor tricks and doing different things for entertainment value. But to answer your question, hypnosis can work for everyone as long as you don't have any brain damage or um, uh, mental deficits or, you know, uh, challenges mentally. But, you know, um, of sound mind and body. Yes, because. Hypnosis is synonymous to trance. We spend 80% of our time going in and out of trance all day long. A light trance is what's happening now. Like, so think about this. So as you're listening to me, right, you're processing Mm -hmm. this information. So your mind is working to provide you with pictures, sounds, images of different things that you've experienced that might relate to and correlate to what I'm saying. Right. That's how we work. And so in doing so, it causes a light trance because anytime you're making pictures in your head and you're, you know, dealing with those sounds and images in your head, you're going inside. And anytime you go inside, it's a light trance, if not, a you know, a, a deep trance. And so all I do is I take the trance phenomenon and I expand it until I get to a workable state. So when you ask, can it work for anyone? It can. Um so is that trance state, is that similar to like, I'm driving home, I get off work, I'm driving home, and there's been times I don't even remember how I got yes. home. <laughs> That's what they call highway and, hypnosis. And I'm talking about sober. I'm talking about get off work. I'm not talking about no DUI stuff. I'm talking about I get off work, I'm driving, and I know I'm doing the right things, right? I'm using my signal, I'm making the turns, but is it because I've taken this route so many times day after day? Is it because I'm daydreaming? You know, what happens there? So it's it's a, it, all of the above. So um, and that's kind of what trance is, right? Like sometimes when we get used to doing things, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes we start doing things on autopilot. And so think about. So when I say you can only be consciously aware of a small amount of information, consider this. If I said, turn your phone on, turn the radio on. um Mm-hmm. play a DVD, um, 
have a conversation, you wouldn't be able to be consciously aware of everything that's going on in all of those situations. And so this is what I mean by we go into a, a light trance because we start doing things on autopilot. And so mm. typically what happens is, you know, your brain kind of it checks for has this, you know, do we have an instance of this occurring? Yeah. Oh, we do. OK, then it clicks into that space and it starts to perform tasks that it's familiar with. So a lot happens in the background on autopilot. So you might be on the phone during your commute. You might be listening to the radio, but you yeah. might just be zoned out and your body is used to the commute. It's used to the territory, the terrain. And so it's just going to perform naturally and do those things on autopilot. And then you get home or get to the destination and you're like, wow, I, yeah. I don't even remember. You know, I don't remember the commute. Yeah, I tell I tell people that um, multitasking is a myth. Right. So a lot of people say. You know, while well, multitasking, well, your brain can only focus on one thing and multitasking terminology comes from the IT field computers. Mm-hmm. I do IT for a living. Okay. And even computers don't multitask. Right. So they, they switch between uh, tasks very quickly. And it yeah. seems like they're they're doing it at the same time, but they're not. And so that's kind of uh, I'm alluding that to. Uh, what you're saying there with like, okay, if you're turning on the radio, if you're turning on a DVD, all this different stuff, you can really only focus on one of those things at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, computers, they run different, you know, events and checking for events and different things. And according to what it returns, then boom, yeah. you'll kick that off. But it's not like running multiple events at the same time. So, yeah. But that's kind of how our brains work. And, you know, to to the point that you're making about IT. You know, they say uh, art imitates life. So we don't create anything outside of what we are. You know, someone functions the same way the computer does. Absolutely. So So how do you get somebody in a in a place where they trust you? Because any type of counseling, right, you got to build a form of trust in order to to share with them. Like I said, I've been to counseling, so I've, I've been through this talk therapy side of it, even group counseling. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes, you know, you can be shut off and it might take a few sessions before you can get to a point where I feel like sharing with this person. Right. And so I feel like it would be even more so um, <laughs> a, a barrier of trust when, when you yeah. talk, talk about putting somebody in hypnosis. Absolutely. Um, so rapport is very important. Um, mm. So part of my rapport building is done on the front end. So when people reach out to me to work with me, um, I send them a good little bit of information. We have a um, a pre um, pre session consultation where we talk about the particulars and I start building rapport right away. Um, one of the things I might do is send over um, my testimonial video reel so people okay. can see, OK, this guy is actually working with people and they're getting the results. So that's one. Secondly, I address the elephant in the room right away. Um, So oftentimes people have these notions of, you know, is this mind control? Is this devil worship? Is this voodoo? Uh, You know, um, all that type of stuff. And so I dispel those myths right away. In fact, um, I've been doing a four week series. a class that I'm doing here in Atlanta called um, Hypnosis and Mind Mastery. Mm. And so last week at the end of the class, I did a demonstration with one of the class uh, members. And so after the demonstration was over, I, I turned to the class and I asked, I said, OK, so. All right. So let's talk about some of your myths. Do right. you, you know, have we dispelled those myths? You know what I'm saying? Like, did I run out the room and go cut a chicken head off or a chicken foot off mm-hmm. or. You know, um, did I throw some bones or am I burning incense? You know, you know, making light of it. But at the same time, you know, in respect to, you know, those modes of of spirituality, not to be making a joke, but typically religious people look at those types of things is. I guess you could say blasphemy. So I I asked those type of questions at the end of the the class after Mm -hmm. they saw someone going to hypnosis and come out 
it's like, okay, did you feel like it was mind control? Did you feel like, you know, I was doing something um, untoward or out the way? And everybody undoubtedly was like, wow, I didn't think it would be like that. And so you can, so an individual who works with me, you know, going into hypnosis, I tell people it's kind of like being in a class, right? A boring class. Like you can remember high school, some of those classes were real boring. And so mm-hmm. you kind of, you didn't doze off, but you know, if there was a window or something, you know, you'd be out the window just daydreaming, thinking about everything other than what the teacher was talking about. And then all of yeah. a sudden, the teacher might say something, or you might notice, you know, you've been gone for a minute. So you're like, oh man, let me I'll come back. Yeah. And that's kind of what the experience is like in hypnosis. Okay. Um, you'll be aware of everything. Well, for the most part, you'll be aware. So unless we're doing something like pain control, where I have to take you like really, really deep. Typically, the things that we work with outside of pain, pain management, excuse me, doesn't require such a level of depth that you'll be just kind of zonked out. So you'll be aware. Um, Wait, you so you can, can do this. You can do this with pain management yeah. too. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. what what type of pain are we talking about? Um, so if you've got like you know long term pain, um, mm. like joint pain, something like that, or joint pain, injury, yeah, okay, all, all types of pain, right? So mm. when I do hypnosis for pain, I don't turn it off. What I do is again, like I said, it's an organic process. So I, I'm literally having a monologue with the subconscious mind. And I'm asking, is it okay if we can turn that pain down some? Because we mm-hmm. know pain is an indicator. It lets, it's a signal. Yeah. So we don't need to be without pain, but we don't necessarily need to have our pain at a 10 just to be aware of whatever the signal is. And so maybe if we can get it down to a, a, a four or three or maybe even a two or something to where it's minimal, but it's still there, then that's workable. Now, you know, now you have your life back. You can live without being in excruciating pain. But with stuff like pain, like we have to go deeper and deeper. So I spend a lot of time deepening. Um, But with the typical stuff that I work with, like trauma, I don't have to go that deep or anxiety, um, phobias and fears. Um, So I'm 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 in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, in the south. Okay. All right. So we got this commercial that I always refer to. I, I tell people, I, you know, hypnosis is like Frank's red hot barbecue sauce. <laughs> I put it on everything, you know, because literally I, I do, you know. So, yeah, it, it, anything you can go to counseling for outside of. Um, well, OK, so let me correct myself. <laughs> so skipping, you know, um, things that deal with psychosis, you know, because like mm-hmm. I mentioned, you have to be a sound mind. So. That stuff, severe and persistent mental illness type stuff that has psychosis and, you know, schizophrenia and those types of things. I can't I don't deal with. Uh, but anxiety, stress, um, trauma, um, depression, just, you know, pretty much anything, any of our typical daily challenges and issues. Mm-hmm. We can go in and we can we can rework those things. We can allow our subconscious to hit the reset on that and start to have more joy in our lives. So, man, I like that. Um, hit the reset and have yeah. more joy in our lives because it makes me think back. Like you were saying, when when you're a child, you're happy. You don't have these filters. You don't have these scars and wounds. Right. And if you can get back to that state where you're you know, happy again, using your imagination again, that can be something powerful. And it it takes me down a a road of like you talk about spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm doing pain management or even trying to manage, you know, certain emotional trauma in my life, is there something that you can teach your clients to where they can kind of do this at home and say, okay, well, I'm going to continue this therapy but now I have a skill set that I can almost like a meditation or get getting yourself into a state. Does it work like that? Well, there are things that I can do to um <clears throat> to to kind of help people, right? But mm-hmm. how this typically works, and 
I know this is going to sound real arrogant, but typically um, I tell people I I use weird terminology. You know, I say, you know, let's imagine that we're a soldier and, you know, we're, we're doing target training. So I say, you know, I want you to, you know, consider yourself to be the silhouette. Right. And we're going to try to make a shot group because good shooters know that they shoot in shot groups so Mm -hmm. that one fall might not fail the target. Uh, Excuse me. One shot might not fail the target. But if we get enough shots in a shot group, we'll fail our target. And so Mm -hmm. we go about trying to hit as many of the particular things around the issue so that when we go and we do our session and we release and resolve those things, typically, unless you have another experience, another reaction, you know, something else happens, the reset has been hit. And so typically people are good. So I don't have people coming back Mm. saying, you know, uh, it came, well, I did have someone where I worked on a driving phobia, right? Uh, They came back the next week and they were like, okay, I'm good on the back roads and the expressways. But what I didn't realize was that nighttime is an issue. So we didn't target the nighttime. So I target very specific and particular things so that we can make sure that we hit the target so that once we release and resolve it, it's done. And then it typically, once we hit the right targets, they're good. So I, I was more so referring to something outside of what they came to you for. So right. they came to you for this driving phobia. That issue's resolved. Mm-hmm. But in the future, I have a issue with my spouse, my child, something like that. Is there a skill set that I could learn to say, okay, I can start to maybe not as effectively, but still, I can I can minimize the trauma in my life by by working yeah. to exercise. So um, there are some things that you could do. Um, so, like I said, I do regular talk therapy. And so okay. I'm a big mm-hmm. proponent of using coping skills. And so um, mindfulness, um, yeah. being mindful, um, deep breathing is a very good skill uh, because of, you know, um, how it affects the mind and the body. And, and just a multitude of different things. But uh, I start out with mindfulness and deep breathing uh, because they help build self-awareness and they also help build um, almost like your personal, mental and emotional grounding state. Yeah. And so you do that deep breathing, it's going to trigger things inside your body to help calm you because that's that's the one natural thing that we do. We naturally have a a part of us that turns on the stress response. And then we have something that we do naturally that turns off the stress response and a slow, deep breathing. And so doing those types of things helps center and ground you and make you, you know, a little bit better able to deal with the, you know, the typical stressors of everyday life. Have you been uh, under hypnosis? Have you been to any hypnotherapy? Yep, I have. Um, I've, Sadly, um, I haven't had the good results that I get my clients, but I've, I've had, um, I, well, I did have one good experience. Um, God took me so deep. I didn't know what was going on. So um, that was a good one because um, I did get some, re, you know, some good results from that. But uh, I, what I'm seeing is that a lot of uh, hypnotists and hypnotherapists, they learn differently. And okay. um, blessed to be able to say that, you know, over the 17 years that I've done it, um, mechanically, I'm pretty sound. I do a real good job of getting people where they need to be. And that's why I get such good results, because the way I was trained, it was a very mechanical process. <laughs> that's quite an extensive career. Um, I mean, you're knocking on 20 years. Yeah. How, how'd you get into the industry? Were you uh, you had a mentor? Did you Nah. Is it a is it a college thing? How 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 did you go about? It, it was like I said. Once I once I you know became aware of it, and I was trying to debunk old boy, yeah. and ended up getting converted. It just kind of <laughs> took off. <laughs> that was how I started my coaching. Um, so I, I come out of corporate America too, and so okay. hip, hypnotherapy and coaching they were my after hours job, mm. and so I would be seeing clients. 
I was I was wow. Um, I was doing stuff at work and all types of. <laughs> but anyway, um, but yeah, I, I so that was my second job, and I just um, it took a while for it to become more acceptable, and so in the early days, I mean, it, it was I had to have specialty like people had to. I, they were coming from someone who knew somebody who knew somebody like I okay. couldn't say, you know, I do hypnosis and people be like, oh, really? It was kind of like when hypnosis come out, you know, people get to grabbing their crosses. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, I actually had somebody cover their eyes. <laughs> kind of like that thing Jamie Foxx was saying about <laughs> Prince. <laughs> the eyes. I don't know, but. It's wow. So, you know, um, it, it just kind of was something that I was doing in the after hours and mm-hmm. um, a couple of other modalities that I, I use. Um, like, I'm sure you probably heard of Tony Robbins. And, yeah. Uh, he's a proponent of NLP. So I'm also a master NLP practitioner. And I kind of certain things I do, I meld the two modalities together. But it took some time. But in the last I say seven, eight years is when the practice really picked up. Um, and I have to credit things like um, reality TV and stuff like that, where, okay. you know, you see celebrities and stuff doing it. And that's the point that I make to people is, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not a proponent of celebrity worship and following celebrities. But one thing I will say about celebrities and people who are well to do they know how to manage their resources. And so they make a point of um, personal development. They make a point of doing things to keep themselves good. And so if you did a, uh, just a a Google search on celebrities who have used hypnosis, man, you see all types of names from Matt Damon, uh, Kelly Rowland, Tiger Woods, Shaquille O'Neal, Sam Jackson, um, and I could go on and on. But, you know, uh, actually, I think even um, I think Ellen DeGeneres did it live on, on you know, on air. Um, and I've seen a couple of different um, things where they actually showed showed it being done live on TV. And so the point is, is that people who have means, they know how to protect themselves or they know how to build and edify themselves so that, you know, they could be a better version of themselves. And that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, Yeah, that's a a solid point. Yeah. Just being a better version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what, you know, it's, it's it's such a blessing to be able to do this stuff and to be able to get types of results and to see what people are, are doing. Cause you know, like I said, my client this week, I was shocked that she was told. And then I wasn't shocked, but it kind of threw me off. Cause I do this work day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Somebody come to me and say, they were told by professionals that this is something they got to contend with for the rest of their lives. And well, man, you, if you saw her leaving out the office, you know, cause depending on how severe your, your, Symptoms are when you come in. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. 
You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life altering. And if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. If they're severe, when you come in, you're going to have a sense of, of you're going to have a very different feeling and be in a different space when you leave. And so what's typical is for people to say, you know, I call it a little hypno, hypno dance is what I call it, where when the okay. session is over, you know, they start doing this thing right here, you know, and mm-hmm. I check in, I'm like, you know, what's going on? And they'll, you know, undoubtedly they'll say something like, wow, I, I didn't know that I was carrying this much stress, this much pressure. And now I feel so much looser. Um, Man, it's so you're making me think about how your, your mind, your brain controls the body so much. Yeah, It's like that stress. When they say uh, you got a weight on you, it's truly a weight. Right. The like depression, right? It press, press down, you know? And so, Pressure is pressing you down. You know, depression, one of the things that makes depression work is that it presses you down so much so mentally, emotionally and, you know, psychically that it makes you stuck where you don't want to move. Like it, you kind of lose your your zeal and your, your, your zest for life. And so you don't really want to do things. You get so stuck in that place. I tell people oftentimes depression can be like, you know, one of those. uh one of your favorite old sweaters that you didn't want to throw away. It just is so comfortable. And it's so, you know, that's what depression can be like. And so it's all in the mind. You know, um, one of the things I do in my class is, you know, I I ask people, I say, okay, you see with, and they say your eyes, you hear with your ears, uh, Mm -hmm. you smell with your nose, you taste with your tongue, um, all of that stuff. And I, no, you do it all with your brain. It's just that those organs are able to interpret the frequency and send a signal, but the signal is going back to your brain. All that's done with your brain. And mm-hmm. so, again, starting yeah. with the mind, everything, you know, uh, one of my favorite um, gurus, Bob Proctor, I heard him say one time, everything that you see was created twice, first in someone's mind and then into physical reality. And so. Yeah. <laughs> The mind, you know, yeah, the frontier. Yeah. So what what are you, what are you coaching your students in? Are you teaching them the practice of hypnosis? Are you uh, teaching them just therapy in general? Um, what is it geared towards? So personal development and transformation. So okay. So undoubtedly, people will have different things that they want to achieve in their lives, and. So what we do in hypnotherapy is we clear out the path for that success. And so we do different things to teach different lessons to help, you know, help move those barriers and and help maintain a quality of of self-awareness and, um, you know, the changes and gains that they've made. And so we do things like, you know, I, I literally teach people different things about how to perceive themselves in the world around them. Um, how to understand, you know, how their mind works. Like, because I'm, a, you know, a talk therapist, I got a certification in trauma. So I understand okay. stress and trauma a little bit differently than the average person. And so I start to break that down for people so they can understand, you know, because one of my books, right, um, I wrote a book called Mental Health Matters. And I mm. talk about how Oftentimes, when we've had difficulties or challenges, we want to go to our loved ones and talk to them and have them support us. Yeah. But really, a lot of times they're not capable because they're not they're not trained. They they don't know how to be supportive. And so think about stuff like, you know. Oftentimes, one of our first instincts would be if we if we know someone has got a problem with alcohol. You know, right away, we'd be like, hey, just stop drinking. Right. Yeah. It is really not that simple. You not know, the, the same smoking, way. cigarettes, things of that nature. People have this thing. They say, if you know better, you do better. And that is the biggest fallacy ever. 
if that were the case, you wouldn't be able to walk in the hospital and see all these people getting their limbs cut off because they diabetic. And, you know, they they were told so they were aware that they should stop eating sugar or, you know, whatever the, the case may be doing these things. Or what about, you know, the cigarette smokers who develop lung cancer and all these different maladies right. when it says it on the packet and they yeah. still they still do it people it's not as easy know. as it sounds yeah people know but it's not about knowing just like mm-hmm. you're not going to solve certain problems through logic so a lot of times you know even when we're dealing with our families our children or whatever you know we have to be we have to perceive things a little bit differently because oftentimes the problems that we might see in our loved ones might be emotional but here we come with the, you know, the logical Bible, you know, no, this is what you should do. But yeah. you're having an emotional experience and you're mm-hmm. not going to solve that with logic It's just not going to happen. And so you have to meet them at the level of their emotions, you know, affirm people, you know, allow them to have their space and respect them in their space and do those sorts of things. And so it's kind of that thing, you know, so I say. People can know what they want to know, yeah. um, but it's it's a way of having that information, you know, saturate in their systems and they take it in. So. So I know it's a bit of cultural training, too. So, yeah. like you said, if, if somebody's experienced something, they go to their family. Um, the family isn't going to direct them to. You know, a therapist or somebody who's you know experienced like yourself, they're going to try to deal with it on a personal level. And we're not recommending people, uh, you know, mental health. And we're not talking about the need for that in the community. Right. So, you know, again, the average family member, the average, you know, everyday person who's not in mental health, they're really Mm -hmm. not prepared or, you know, um, skilled to be able to help you with your mental health issues. So one of the things that you know, I, I mentioned in my book is, you know, you can be there for someone and just let them know because a big part of helping people is just allowing them their space to talk or to express themselves. Even if you can't relate, even if you don't know what to say or do to make it better, is not so much that is being there for them, but at the same time, encourage them that, you know, and let them know, hey, because I love you and you mean this much to me, I'm going to be here for you. But the flip side is I want you to go see someone because I don't want anything to fall through the cracks and me trying to be here for you become a barrier and then things get worse. So, yeah. you know, I tell people, you know, be there for people. So I got a a, a section in my book, you know, it kind of goes a little bit into how to support someone who's in a mental health crisis or you know, who might be wanting, who might be having some issues and, you know, might be in need of, of counseling. That'd be a great resource. What's the what's the title of the book? The, t- the book is entitled Mental Health Matters. Um, okay. It's available on my website. It's also available on Amazon. Uh, but you'll have to pull it by my name because I didn't know of so many other books titled what Mental Health Matters. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll make sure they get to the right book. We'll put the, the link in the description, right? Yeah. So they can get to it. But um, having resources like that so that we as a society can pick up those type of skills so that way we can help people, you know, in and around our community. We all have family members who, you know, struggle with either a mental illness, an addiction, uh, suicide, you know, things of that nature. And it's it's really a good tool for us to have as a whole, right? So that way we can mitigate, you know, like everybody should learn, you know, some type of CPR and just have that skill set. Yeah. And I feel like this is the same way we can we can save lives, not by being a therapist, but by at least allowing, um, you know, some resource so we can get them to the proper person that they need to. Yeah, be with. absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you something, though. Um, this is <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day. So there are there are um, in the black community. Um, mm-hmm. There are some mental health is kind of um, a taboo thing, like counseling and stuff like that. But the interesting thing for me is that as I reflect on my career in the industry, 
I've dealt with, you know, and, and this might not have anything to do with the actual population and stats and numbers, but I can mm-hmm. definitely say I've dealt with at least 90 to 95 percent black or African-Americans. And so maybe okay. the stigma is is starting to release to a little bit. So some of those stigmas, you know, I think more people I can definitely say, man, it's something about women, um, black women, but women in general, um, that, you know, part of their code, I guess, or part of their culture is that they, you know, they congregate, they do group things and they support each other. And so women are very um, committed to their their mental health, to their personal development and. Even with hypnotherapy, um, again, 90 percent of my clients are women. Um, I'm always so excited when I get a man to come in, uh, because typically with men, you know, we don't even want to let on that we got any issues that we feel like slightly out of our reach because it's we got to be strong. Yeah, it's, it's perceived as weakness. Yeah. And nothing can be further from the truth, really. Um, it's. You know, you're not weak because you have problems. We all have problems. It's just that, you know, even when I talk about trauma, right, I, I use the, the shot glass juxtaposed against the big glass. And so mm-hmm. we all come into the world with a certain amount of what I would call resilience. Okay. Um, resilience would be, you know, do you have the shot glass or do you have the big glass? And so. But that in itself isn't as big of an issue, because if you do certain things, you can mitigate, you can kind of dissipate the stress and the and the and the tension. And so even if you are a person who doesn't have a large capacity uh, for resilience, as long as you're doing certain things, it's like, you know, you're still pouring it out. So your cup doesn't overflow because that's where trauma kicks in is where your stress reaches a point that it overcapacitates your ability to to be able to deal with it uh, or your capacity for the, you know, your, um, the cup that I'm referring to when it overpours, now you've gone from stress into a traumatic response and that's a whole nother ball game. But if you're doing things like um, practicing meditation or yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, um, mm. exercising, working out, um, indulging in your creativity, like drawing, painting, art, um, a host of different things that you could do to help bring down and dissipate the stress. And it's yeah, like pouring it out, you know, so even if you got a small shot glass, as long as you're doing what you need to do, you're still pouring it out and you keep your system clear. So how, how do you say somebody recognizes when their shot glass or tall glasses is getting close to that point. Just, you know, paying attention to how they feel about things, Mm because typically one of the biggest things that lets you know is like sometimes people feel overwhelmed. They'll say emotionally they feel like they're all over the place or they may have kind of hit the tipping point and they're snapping. You know, um, sometimes people will report like, I knew I was going there, but I couldn't stop myself. So they're getting angry and they feel themselves getting angry and yet they can't stop themselves. Like that's the, the coping mechanisms you were talking about. You learn, yeah. you learn some of these techniques that you can kind of pull out of your toolbox at the right time. Absolutely. And yeah. again, and the reason I mentioned those two, because building self-awareness. So it's too late, typically, when you're at that point to where you feel like you're moving in the direction, you know, like you feel like you're leaning into the anger mm-hmm. and you're going with it. It's already too late. And so one of the things that we do is we point out, like we talk about, well, what are your triggers? Because you want to know if you got like five triggers and if this is typically how it works every time, you know, if every time you get um, blackout angry, you know, if it starts with. Um, you feel your nose twitching and then you start breathing shallow, your face gets hot, your palms get sweaty, and then you start tapping your feet. Well, we want to look at the first two or three and just do check-ins. Okay. If I know, you know, I'm, that's how things work. And I know I get revved up. 
Okay, let's do some check-ins every couple hours. Make sure, you know, okay, um, is my palm getting sweaty? You know, am, am I breathing shallow? And if you're noticing these things about yourself, that's the perfect time to count to 10 slowly, walk out to a, you know, walk to a different room or a different place, and then do some slow, deep breaths and calm. It's really about getting to a point where you, you know yourself, yeah. right? You, you, you got to really acknowledge who you are and, and what your patterns are. Absolutely. That's hard to, hard to get to sometimes. Yeah. You know, life kind of keeps us moving, you know, we're yeah. on, this, uh, it's almost like we're on a conveyor belt and we just, you know, even when we don't want to, we still moving, you know, things are going and your mind is the only part of you that never rests. Um, and so, and by the way, that's why I'm a big proponent of meditation because it gives you spaces or gaps of where okay. you know, you're, you're actually not having mental activity. You're having quiet, but you be still. yeah. So at any rate, um, you, because so much is going on, it's kind of difficult to be self-aware. And so mm-hmm. self-aware is something that, you know, people have to be intentional about. And that's also part of what I, you know, when I was saying I coach people, self-awareness, yeah. because the more self-aware you are, the better you are in terms of um, being able to actually really be aware of what your your desires are and additionally what your challenges and your barriers are and then how to work those things work them out um you know and if we're not doing it in session work then you know you're doing the things you know on the back end to take care of it like i said you're working out or you know you're indulging your creative space or you know tai uh, tai chi qigong yoga meditation uh, a whole bunch of things, you know, um, you're doing those things to bring down the, the, the tense, the tension and the stress. But then it also helps you to be able to become more aware of yourself. And so as you do these things, I'm always alerting the person to, you know, just check in with yourself. See what you feel like when you're doing this yeah. be in the moment. And so it's you in a moment Ooh, of whatever yeah. it is that you that's the key being in the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, I heard an analogy or um, kind of a reference of when you're when you're stressed, you're living in the future. And when you're you're kind of depressed, you're living in the past. Mm. So so typically when we're in the now, we're in the moment is when we're, you know, like our truest self. We should be right. balanced at that time because, you know, stress and anxiety all comes about from worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet, may not ever happen. And, you know, depression and guilt and all of those type of things, you're condemning yourself from something that is already gone. It's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely on point with that. Yes. That's an excellent analogy. Yeah. And so, you know, knowing those things, it's like the moment is the best place you could be. Um, Mm. Like that's where your, your point of power is. And so in my other book, um, the secret commitment, which <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, coach. How many how many books you got? <laughs> um, I got three in print and one ebook. Um, <laughs> oh man, okay. <laughs> um, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> you threw me off with that one, but um, well, I yeah. thought you had, I thought you had one, and 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 as the conversation goes on, oh yeah, in this book, and oh yeah, didn't, didn't mention this one, like. Yeah, my bad. So if you look over my shoulders, you see the uh, the two print books. Um, the blue one is the secret commitment, and the white one okay. is um, mental health matters. Got uh, it. Okay. And you can <clears throat> see my other one because um, I think my head is in the way. But yeah, um, so I've I've written different things in the books to kind of you know, like you said, success leaves clues, and so. Um, there are a lot of clues, you know, um, I liked, I was on your page and I saw, um, the brother, no, you made a comment on, uh, the brother storm Leroy, uh, Leroy, uh, however, it's pretty, yeah. um, that a lot of people mm-hmm. are talking about generational wealth, but nobody ain't really teaching it. And that's my thing. Like, you know, um, these gurus and these different sects, <clears throat> they're talking about different things yeah. like 
people talking about, you know, um, shifting your vibration and being in alignment and all these different things. But that's almost enigmatic. Like, okay, so how do you do it? Like, these are big terms, but how do you get there? So the average person doesn't know. Like, you have a success thermostat. Like, I refer to Mm -hmm. it as mental homeostasis. Because of the way, <laughs> yeah, I be making okay. up words. No, I like it, man. I like it. I like. I'm, I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> but because of your imprinting, right? Yeah, you kind of have a set. Your you set your your aptitude for success. It it gets okay. set at a level, just mm-hmm. like a lot of other things are set at levels. That's what homeostasis is, and the, the reason your your mind does that is because. Uncertain. So when you don't have things set, it, it leads to a certain level of uncertainty and yeah. uncertainty represents unpredictability, which ultimately is perceived as danger. And so your mind is always looking to mitigate danger. It's trying to keep you out of danger and keep you safe. And the easiest way to keep you safe is to keep you how you've been, because you've lived up to this point and you're safe. So that's why it's so difficult. You just to make you, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off, uh, Coach Edwards. You just gave me so much clarity, and the 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 mission of my my podcast is to give people a look into how they can be successful. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, myself, what I tell people is to get over the fear. Right? They they've got to take like as Steve Harvey says, the leap. Right? And yeah. And what it comes down to is their brain is telling them you've got to stay safe yeah, and and you've got to stay away from harm and away from danger. And I never looked at it like that. It was almost to the point for me, I don't see because I'm an entrepreneur at heart in my spirit. This is what I love to do. This is what I want to do with, with my life. I just, I think everybody should have some form of entrepreneurship, even if they're employed, even if they're employees, because good employees can be entrepreneurs. Absolutely. But I just always, it, it was almost like you said about um, an addiction, drinking or, or, or smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, well, you know, it's going to cause diabetes. You know, that's going to cause cancer. Why don't you stop? And you just gave me a moment of clarity, man. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, man. It's but again, like I said earlier, the the mind is the frontier. You know how Star Trek used to go off and it would say space, the final frontier. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mind is the, the frontier mind. because everything is vying for your attention. Right. Um, I <clears> teach so many different things. Like I teach people like different tricks and tactics of how to be um semi-persuasive, how to make a good impression on someone. And so I teach those types of skills. Um, And people, (laughs) I call it a a slight form of covert persuasion, right? Okay. Okay. I can teach you to do certain things and you can make an impression upon someone to make them feel like they've known you uh, to give them a good feeling about you. Oh yeah. And they won't even know that you're doing it. But you're doing certain things. And so um, just to to make a a give you a rough idea of what I mean. Right. I'll I'll tell a person, you know, in in the classes, I'll say, I want you to choose three subtle qualities you see about someone. I want you to write them down. And I mean, the most subtle qualities. okay? And so people will be like, well, this person, uh, they clear their throat a lot. uh, they they make weird sounds um, and, and they're not choosing what I would consider to be subtle gestures. And so I would say, OK, do you notice what type of breathing pattern this have? This person has Do you notice um, how many times maybe they blink? Do you notice whether or not they tilt their heads one way or another as they talk? Um, mm-hmm. More subtle things, right? Because essentially what I'll tell a person is if you want to make an impression on someone and give them the feeling that, you know, um, that there's some kindred spirit or something, but be beneath the radar, you do things like watch them. Um, So you might be sitting across from someone in a meeting, having a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And you might notice this person kind of when they talk, they might tap their fingers or something. Um, their breathing might be heavy up in their chest or something like that. Um, they might have a slight um, twang or, or um, accent to their speech. Um, they may have a nervous itch or something. And so you, you just find some of the more subtle things that they're doing. And you just kind of mirror those things. Now, I notice this sounds kind of weird, right? But you begin no, it makes to mirror sense. those things, right? And now like, they see their self in you. Huh? You're saying now they see their self in you. So, yeah, because the subconscious picks up everything. So, where they're not consciously aware, the subconscious is picking those things up. And so, as you're doing those things and you're mirroring that person, pretty soon, right? After a while, if you've done it long enough, you'll notice that if you do something, they'll start to follow your lead. And so now you'll start to lead and they'll start to pick up on your little idiosyncrasies and they might start tapping their feet or doing yeah. something. And I've yeah. been doing this for years and I'm telling you, it works. And so people, they get a, a good feeling for you. I probably shouldn't have put this out uh because i just thought about this is gonna be on a podcast but but it's It's actually good that you put that out there because again it's in line with the message of the show so what i want people to understand is how they can be successful and if people can use these techniques when they're in a job interview when they are in a um a networking you know event or that type of setting and it's not to transform who they are or to mislead anybody but we, we all have to be likable, right? And we yeah. all have to form relationships. And I think that's a, a great way to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. a good tool. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I teach a lot of different things and, and you know, um, I impart a lot of things when I coach people. And that's just one of those. Um, but I, I can't say enough, man, um, how blessed I feel to be able to, to have the skill and yeah. use the, the skill of hypnotherapy because I have helped people um, in so many different ways. And it's just overwhelming when I think about, you know, the impact that hypnotherapy has had in the people's lives that I've worked with. Wow. All right. Um, I, I appreciate your time. I thank you for coming on. Um, congratulations on, on so much that you're doing. Um, and your success, but also for the community and to change people's, you know, mental health. I mean, it's yes. it's very valuable. And um, and I love the conversation. I, I love to have uh, another conversation with you sometime. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I'm available. I'm, available. I'm in Atlanta. I, I live in uh, in Richmond, Virginia, but I'm in Atlanta often. And uh, when I'm down there, hopefully we can get yeah, let's do lunch or something when you you know yeah. if you're in town again. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I have something on um the podcast that i do every episode is success leaves clues podcast so i like to point out a couple of clues that i that i picked up during the episode and this particular episode is a little bit different so while there are some clues what i what what i want to focus on is the things that you talked about somebody being able to be resilient you know mm-hmm. building that skill and really being in the moment and knowing yourself and then the tips and and tools that you, you gave about, you know, mirroring and being likable and, you know, just building those type of things and being somebody that can help others in your family by being a resource for them. And I think those things, while they're not directly related to somebody be becoming successful, I think they're very paramount to somebody becoming successful because you have to understand yourself and you yeah. have to know your own mental health has to grow. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Um, just like business, right? Business is ultimately our reflection of the owners. And so mm. you can't get out. You can't be just a, a standalone business without it being a part of who, you know, reflecting a part of who you are and what you're about. And so yeah. definitely um, we we have to. Um, we, we have to, to bring these things out. Um, so the clues, like you mentioned, um, the, the two, two of the best things we could do on a regular basis, um, deep breathing and mindfulness. 
because they clear out so much of the path for us in terms of allowing us to become more in tune with ourselves. Um, it, it kind of calms the storm, so to speak. Okay. And so, yeah. you know, one of my favorite quotes, um, I'm going to give credit to Sun Tzu. I, I seen it credited to Winston Churchill, but regardless of who it is, the quote is, if there's no enemy within, the enemy without can do us no harm. And so this speaks mm-hmm. to the importance of being able to manage your own internal resources, managing your emotions yeah. and your food, so that even in the midst of, of chaos, in the midst of a storm, you can be unbothered. Mm-hmm. You know, so those two, uh, deep breathing and mindfulness, where and when I say mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness can be anything. Just being in the moment. If you're eating food, just taking mm-hmm. your time to really taste your food, to be present with the the chewing process, the swallowing process. And, yeah. you know, um, it, it you know, when you do stuff like that during eating, you notice that you don't even have to eat as much. Um, or just being out in nature and paying attention to what you see and what you hear and how all of this makes you feel while you're in that space. Mindfulness, just being aware and present in the moment. Um, so those are some good clues. And like I said, you know, choosing uh, three or four subtle qualities that you see in people to um, match. And yeah. after a while, you know, you start leading um, and you, you know. You, if if you've ever noticed um, talking to someone and you notice y'all start, oftentimes people miss these these cues, right, or these mm-hmm. clues. But sometimes yeah. you could be talking to someone. Um, I always talk talk about my wife. I know when she's talked to one of her friends because her accent changes. Yeah, and we from the south, but it's like she talked to one of her friends, and it's like the south south accent. Yeah, so I hear it, and I'd be like, oh yeah, you talk to old girl. Yeah, I know because I hear it in your voice. But this is how we build rapport. And as we build rapport, we start to actually naturally mm-hmm. mimic or mirror certain things in people. So this is just a way of intentionally building rapport and giving that sense of that guy was all right. Something about him. I don't know what it was. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that type of thing. And OK. So, you know, uh, yeah. Like the great book of T says, success leaves clues. So. All right. I just want to remind everybody, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Until next time on Success Leaves Clues podcast. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.